Welcome to Married by Design. Are you together but alone in your marriage relationship? How have you been coping with that? Do you feel like you're able to live your life or is it weighing you down so much that you're barely able to function? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome back to Married by Design. We started a series entitled Together But Alone. We're looking at the issue that unfortunately many people face in the marriage relationship where they feel very alone and disconnected from their spouse. It may be for any number of reasons and it may not be their fault. Regardless of the reasons, it is a great struggle for a person that has to endure a lonely marriage. So we wanted to look at some scripture that would be an encouragement to the person that's in such a marriage. Or maybe you know somebody that's in that situation. How do you come alongside them and encourage them? What are the things that you should do and say? And we introduced the concept last week and looked at the example of Job. He was a man who faced great loss and in the midst of that loss was married, but he was alone. His wife was not on the same page with him. In fact, she discouraged him and suggested that he should turn away from God. This week, we want to give you some suggestions if you're facing that marriage struggle. We said last week that there are no quick fixes or easy answers. We wish that we could wave a wand over your marriage relationship and fix everything and have your spouse respond in the way that God would want them to. But you probably know by now that's not going to happen immediately. God certainly can do work, and you need to believe that God will do the work. But you have to face the here and now. You have to be encouraged and reminded to think about how you walk through this difficult situation and how you respond to your spouse. And there's a great example in the Old Testament of an individual who went through a great heartbreak and struggle. I think there's a lot that we can learn from her. It's in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. It's a story of a woman named Hannah. It says in chapter 1 verse 2 that Hannah had no children. She had faced great difficulty and was provoked not by her husband, but by his other wife. We won't get into that. Hannah was facing a different challenge, but the grief and struggle are the same. Hannah was grieved because she had no children. She felt a sense of loss, great loss, in a culture where women derive their value from the children they have. She faced disappointment and I'm sure questions as to why she had to go through that. You can see the heartbreak and struggle that she experienced in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Well, let me read part of 1 Samuel 1, um, starting in verse 9. After they'd eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. We want to look at this idea of struggling with unfulfilled desires and pressing on despite the disappointments and questions in life. Hannah is a great example of that. There are some interesting principles in this passage that we can learn from this great and godly woman. As you read the chapter, you see that all the way through the passage that she talks about being distressed, afflicted, having great anxiety and vexation. And the first thing to observe was that Hannah was 
rightly distressed. She was disappointed and troubled in her situation. She wanted a child and did not have one, so she reacted naturally and as expected. You know, don't hide from the grief that you're going through and think that you shouldn't feel those things. There's a natural grief and loss that comes when someone is in a marriage and it's not all that God wants it to be. There is a natural sorrow because of an unmet potential and unrealized expectation. It would actually be surprising if someone was in a struggling marriage and didn't feel that way. It's the same kind of grief that somebody would go through when they lost their spouse or a child. There's a natural expected grief and mourning that takes place. In fact, if there's not such mourning, that would be a very strange thing. Just as in when somebody loses a child, the grief will always be there, but the person can learn to move on and live their life. That's what we see in the life of Hannah. She went through years of sorrow for not having a child, but still was pressing into God. She didn't lose her faith, but held onto the hand of a loving father that would care for her and carry her through this. We're hoping that maybe for some of you that are struggling, that you would find that same hand and know the Lord's desires to lead and comfort you. You will have grief and sorrow, that's natural. But with that, look to follow the Lord as Hannah did. And Hannah is an encouragement for the person who is living with great loss and disappointment to bring it to the Lord. Anybody who is living together and yet alone needs to bring their burden to the Lord. Hannah went up to the temple of the Lord. She prayed and wept bitterly before the Lord in verse 10. She really poured out her heart to the Lord. She was transparent with him and gave him her burden. It's hard to understand the burden and heartache that a person suffers when they're in a marriage relationship and yet alone. You know, we don't presume to understand at all. And yet we see in scripture over and over the encouragement for those who are struggling to seek God's comfort and his strength. That's right, and it doesn't mean that it goes away and everything feels fine. But there is some sense of release and rest as you bring your burden before the Lord. In Psalm 55, verse 22, David writes, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. This is repeated again in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. There, Peter is writing to people, amidst great persecution, and he encourages them to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's something comforting in knowing that the Lord loves you and cares for you. He will sustain you and lift you up. He will not always take it away, as we saw in the case of Job and even Hannah for so long. That means if you find yourself in that situation, you need to see prayer as a source of strength. We're suggesting that you not just pray that the Lord would fix your spouse. You have to go much deeper than that. While you can pray that, certainly, you need to pray for God to grant you the grace to sustain you and lift you up. If your prayer time is merely focused on God fixing the situation, you'll not get that peace that goes beyond understanding. You will have to wait on the Lord, as it says in Isaiah 40.31. It is in that waiting for him and his strength that you are able to take one step after another. The second thing that it's important to see is this idea of prayer and faith. It's easy to get to the point of disillusionment and to believe that the situation will never change. The expectation of an answer can quickly wane and we can begin to take things into our own hands. Hannah had a great burden and struggle because she did not have a child. 
Please note that it was all in God's hands. Taking things into your own hands when you think that God will not answer sets you up for heartache. Look at the story of Sarah when she wanted a child and she gave her maidservant, Hagar, to Abraham to bear a child in Genesis 16. It didn't work out too well. You do your part and then pray and look to the Lord to work. Hannah could do a very small part by being intimate with her husband, but ultimately it was in God's hands. And don't miss that. When you've done all that you can humanly, you need to accept the fact that it's in his hands. That should be a relief, not despair. Your spouse is in the hands of a loving and sovereign God who wants the best for his glory. Coming to him in prayer reminds you that it's in his hands and that he is the only one who can change the relationship and your spouse's heart. Hannah needed a miracle and she didn't give up on what God could do, but kept pleading with him. Are you still praying for your spouse? Or has your belief faltered and you're not anticipating his work, but just going through the motions? Hannah so anticipated God to answer that she promised to dedicate her child to him. And those two things go together, believing prayer and rest. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the request is to be made with thanksgiving. I take it that part of the thanksgiving is thanking God for the way that he will answer within the bounds of his control and his love. And the result, that wonderful peace that will guard your heart and your mind. That's what the spouse needs that is married but alone. What does the lonely married person do? Rest in his grace and supernatural empowerment while consistently and persistently lifting up the request to the Lord. There's really no other option. It may not be satisfying in what you want right now, but that is where God may have you for the season. There's no other place to find grace to endure and live victoriously through being together but alone. There's no other source of hope and anticipation that anything will really change, but God's hand in God's time. See, the challenge in the midst of struggles is to have a great faith and hope that God will show his goodness. I love what David said in Psalm 27 when he faced such opposition from King Saul and he was living in caves. David deserved to be king, but he was an outlaw and on the run. In the midst of all the discouragement and heartache of the song in Psalm 27 that he expresses, He declares in verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I love that. With all the loss and sorrow and struggle and difficulty he faced, he believed that he would see God's goodness and encouraged others to wait on the Lord and be strong even in the waiting. David found that rest in the midst of his sorrow and struggle. It's available to the child of God. There's so many times in Scripture people go through heartache and loss and yet find the strength in the Lord and are able to move on. This is what the lonely spouse needs to do. Not to expect your loss and sorrow to evaporate, but in the midst of it, to walk by faith and walk forward. This is what we're focusing on in the series, Walking by Faith and Walking Forward. Something else that we see in this passage is the importance of encouragement from others. This will not be the last time that we mention this. Eli the priest was there at the temple. 
As Hannah explained herself in verses 15 and 16, it says that Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Great words of encouragement. When he saw her condition and the struggles that she had, he came alongside her and encouraged her. As with the example of Job's friends, at least initially in the last episode, if you're struggling in your marriage, you need others to come alongside you to encourage you and pray with you. Don't forget that. By Hannah pouring out her heart and having the encouragement of Eli, it says at the end of verse 18 that when the woman went her way and ate, her face was no longer sad. That's another very significant verse in this passage. She had not received the child yet, but her countenance, her attitude, and her face changed. Because of her seeking the Lord, because of her laying her burden on him, because of her prayers, and because of the encouragement of Eli, she was able to press on and move past the grief. I would suggest that this was not a permanent fix, as with those in a difficult marriage. But this example of Hannah needs to be followed regularly, even daily, to lift your countenance and help you walk forward through the challenges. And let's look at one more thing. In verse 19, it says, They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Worship is so significant for the grieving. Worship is a way to remind ourselves in a situation that God is able and He's faithful. Worship is what we are each created to do. Worship is what God calls us to do, regardless of whether we have a child or not, or whether our marriage is what it should be or not. Notice the worship was before she was answered. Worship is something that we can choose to do, regardless of how we feel or what we think. It's an act of faith and an act of obedience that God blesses. I was listening to a sermon recently in Psalm 134. It's a very short song. In it, the psalmist calls the people to bless the Lord in verses 1 and 2. Something I never saw, though, in verse 3, in which there is a blessing that comes as a result of worship. It says in verse 3, May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. That is, as we orient our heart and our life toward worship and praise, God blesses that obedience and faith not always with a restored marriage or with a child, but with his presence and his strength. Now for the homework. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to study this passage in 1 Samuel 1 for yourself. Note the points that we made, and if you are struggling in your marriage, begin to practice them one by one. If you know somebody who is together yet alone in a marriage, just begin to pray for them about these different aspects of coping with their loneliness. It may not be something you talk to them about, but it can be something that can lead to powerful prayer and help for them in their heart and life. Well, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this example of Hannah, and I pray for people that are listening to this podcast that are struggling in their marriage, they're together but alone. I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, I pray that you would grant them a strength and a peace that goes beyond understanding. Father, I pray that you would help them to see that you were there with them and that you will carry them through this as they look to you. Thank you for the example of Hannah, and I pray that those would follow that example. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for being with us and listening. Uh, We would encourage you to share this podcast with somebody right now. We'd love to pray with you about the burdens that you're facing. You can reach us at marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. 
Next week on our podcast, we're going to continue to look at the struggles of someone that is together but alone. We're going to look at how you treat your spouse in a struggling relationship. That's what we'll be looking at next time on Married by Design. 